Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to a Saturday, February 26th edition here on the Chasing With Podcast. Uh, just one episode today. We're splitting out uh, sports reporters and uh, Atlanta sports guys this weekend. Um, but Max Markovich uh, is here. Max Markovich, you can find him on Twitter at Max underscore uh, Markovich. And we talk all things Atlanta sports. No Garrett this week. He's traveling the world. Yeah, Garrett is out there. Seeing the world uh, for the next week or week or so, so he might be back next week. We'll see. Um, but either way, Max and I we talked all things uh, Atlanta Hawks. Their rough loss to Charlotte Bulls coming out of the break. Uh, them sitting at twenty eight and thirty one. Uh, what to make of them down the stretch? Uh, the Falcons hiring Ryan Pace, the former GM for the Chicago Bears, to their front office. Um, a, a good piece in the Falcoholic. Uh, exploring three bold predictions for the upcoming season and whether or not we saw any of those three coming to fruition. And then we talked about the growing belief that Freddie Freeman is going elsewhere when the MLB lockout resumes um, for the Braves. So all that and more. Oh, plus Lane United back on Sunday, the mint green uniforms, all that stuff. So all things Atlanta covered on this podcast and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Um, don't forget, you can actually watch this podcast by going to youtube.com, type in the Chase Someone's Podcast, hit that subscribe button, thumbs up, and all that, share it out, help the YouTube show get off the ground, and then uh, make sure you leave this show. If you like listening to the Atlanta Sports Guys each week on the Saturday show, please do make sure you leave us a five-star rating and a review and tell us why you like the podcast and all that good stuff and share it with a friend, a coworker, a family member, whoever um, about the Chase Thomas Podcast. That'd be great. Uh, ChaseThomasPodcast.com for access to all of my previous episodes. Uh, like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas as well. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Atlanta sports guys are back, but guess what? The 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 triumvirate, like the the trio that you have come to know on the weekend shows here. Uh, I don't know what the future holds because last week no Max, this week no Garrett. Um, I don't know. Is it me, Max? Is it is it me? Is it that I come uh, to you guys with a hold on? Where is it? I before I got started, this is a shout out to the University of North Georgia, the undergraduate alumni. But I think I have like a spot. Um, as you can see, okay, here, and I don't know, there it is, there, eh, 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 there it is, can't figure it out uh, what that came from, but I just, I looked at it earlier, and I was like, oh, I have a spot, and I don't know if it's a coffee stain, I don't know what it is, but this is a clutch blue University of North Georgia crew neck, and I'm not coming with my best, because I'm out here coming up to you guys in this podcast with some stained, nasty, clothing and that's my fault that's my fault max <laughs> i think it's on garrett i mean garrett's on a world tour right yeah he, he is. can't be bothered to, to talk for half an hour he's he's hitting every corner of the u.s he even uh skipped over knoxville he was in nashville last night i saw because he at the preds game and didn't no stop by no stop in no anything um but to be fair to garrett probably wouldn't have done anything probably been like it's going to be a hard pass for me uh, especially <laughs> on weekdays don't really do anything it's a I, I don't want to be invited like going forward so my friends and family who are listening to this particular episode please remember don't invite me to things you don't as have few to. invitations as possible oh my goodness the the fewest invitations are possible because <laughs> that is my motto in life i'm already busy enough i, I don't want to go it's nothing against you but i don't want to go 
And that is one of my favorite things about the sports renaissance woman is that she doesn't either. Like she just is down to hang out and like, we're going to watch, like she'll watch the sports with me. She'll let read, hang out with me after these days. And then we watched love is blind season two. We're wrapping that up tonight. Oh my God. It's amazing. I love that. I haven't seen the second bunch of episodes yet, but the first one was the promising. Okay, well, it wrapped up. You need to catch up because it's going to be spoiled for you. Uh, I think this, were... week, this weekend, this weekend, that's it's on the docket. It's going to be so great. I'm I'm so excited. Um, it's it's is, the, is, it's. is she excited for Auburn, Tennessee? Uh, she likes basketball, so she's excited for it. And I will say, um, I mean, she's a good sport because she went to the Tennessee baseball game uh, with me last Sunday, and I went with the Sports Renaissance uh, father uh, Saturday. So with her dad, and that was. That was cool. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of Tennessee baseball this past weekend. And your team, the Michigan Wolverines, have had a very normal week. Um, nothing nothing <laughs> of the sort. Nothing out of the ordinary for Michigan basketball as of late, right? I can't think of anything. I mean, mm-hmm. all I know is that the team rallied around some adversity, got a big mm-hmm. win against Rutgers this week. Um, and I mean, just a normal bubble team doing normal bubble things, right? It's weird that you guys are able to employ this the the clippers owner as your temporary uh assistant coach that's out of pocket you're talking about (laughs) phil Phil martelli's a a god he's an a10 god that man looks like the uh, he looks like some weird evil version of steve ballmer he looks like the (laughs) he looks like steve ballmer on like his worst day that's what he looks like to me steve ballmer if steve ballmer spent like 40 years grinding tape uh in the (laughs) In the in the in the tape room, just cranking it out, just no sleep. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, we're going to talk first. I think we should hit on the Hawks real quick because they lost to the Chicago Bulls last night in their return from the All Star break. A uh, little over twenty games left for the Sox team. They're now sitting at twenty eight and thirty one in the standings. Um, it's over, Max. Like uh, I've I've gone ahead and penciled in. They're not a playoff team. I think uh, at this point, like they'll probably be in that nine ten range. And then they got to win. <laughs> it's going to be tough because if they're right there with the Nets at the eight spot and a healthy Nets by that point, like it's not happening. Like you're not you're not doing this. And it's also it's never going to be healthy. Like Jandre Hunter left this game for Ill- some sort of illness. We don't even know what that is. Like he just left. There's still no clarity on what's going on there. Uh, no John Collins, which obviously really hurt last night. But like the people. Now there's like straw man arguments about Trey Young where it's like, oh, this is uh, everyone wants Trey. It can't always be on Trey when he has a bad game. And it's like, who's playing Trey? Who is like, there is not one Atlanta Hawks fan that I've seen been like, man, Trey's really got to do some like when Trey's that no one's doing that. No Hawks fan is like, you know what went wrong this year? You know what went wrong? It was when Trey Young really tried to do too much. It was when Trey had those rough nights is what really did us in, like last night where he goes 4 or 17. It's like, no, no one's blaming Trey Young. The, the, Trey Young is the furthest from Atlanta's problems in 2021, 2022. But I will say, this is uh, this offseason, man, this summer is going to be a bloodbath. Like, it, there's no way it can't be a bloodbath. And I. I don't know this it, last night just sucked. And I, I watched the game early this morning and I, I just, I don't know, man, I, this team, I'm over it. I, I'm just so over it. Totally. I, I don't, I don't want to watch anymore. I don't want to do this. I know how these games and, are going to go. Yeah. And I think, I think the all-star break was important because it was a bit of a, a, a you know, some cold water poured over us. So, like I think Hawks won two in a row at the end of the, uh, right before the all-star break. And so you could have sort of construed that as like, Oh, momentum. This team is probably better off not making the playoffs. 
um, for, for a couple of reasons. And, and I think the most practical would be there needs to be a realization about the roster construction here. Um, and, and it needs to be uh, obvious to Travis Schlank like this. It's not going to work with this construction. And I think there are a lot of ways to go about that. And you're, you're, you know, it's not, it's not a tear down. Like you have a superstar to build around who is definitively one of the guys. And like, you know, you can do it around him. You did it last year and he is single-handedly basically a top five NBA offense. And that is a great place to start. Right. But I think this year was a very obvious tell that like, you're not going to do it by surrounding him with a bunch of six out of 10 role players. Like that's not how this is going to work. And you have to, you have to swing for the second starter put around them. And, and because of Trey's limitations, it has to be somebody who compliments him. Well, I think that's the first reason. And, and Travis Schlenk, I, I think knows that uh, the second reason is being a title contender when you're not in a big market requires luck. Right. And you know, what if you pull a Cleveland and, and get in the top four of this lottery? Like that is an instant, instant franchise changer. And so we talk about all these ways to get a superstar. What if you luck into Jabari Smith? Like, I don't know. It's not like the craziest thing that ever happens. And so you need one stroke of luck, right? You need one guy to ask out who, who can fit in Atlanta. You need, you know, maybe, maybe the lottery ping pong balls are that luck. Like you need something. And I think, the second half of this season almost doesn't matter, right? Like if they sneak in as the as the eight or whatever and, you know, lose in five or six, like it's not going to change a thing about what I think about this team going forward, um, what I think about this season. And so I think it, it it's almost for the best if they don't, you know, I think the six is out of reach and it's almost for the best if they don't, you know, if they sort of bow out here. Schlink deserves a lot of criticism for how he approached the deadline. I think at the bare minimum, like him doing nothing. And I don't, I would love to know the inner workings on what went into them not doing anything at the deadline for the most part. Um, But like, okay, let me ask you though, like, what do you think he did wrong? Because I think of that as like, we were talking about this at the deadline. Like the only moves you were going to make are sort of like around the edges to improve the team for this year. And so if you don't believe in this team, like standing pat was probably the right way to go. Like you need to make big changes and that's coming. But you, like, you know, adding a, a veteran wing for, for this year um, and giving up assets to do so, like that, that probably wasn't the right call. No, I would actually go the other way is because what I've been saying on this podcast for a couple months from now, I'm like, they dug themselves too big of a hole where you guys were pretty optimistic. We were, when things were turning around on the win streak and I was still like, I just... The losses still count. The losses in October count the same as they do in February. And this team just, I mean, part of it was the COVID stuff that was just insane that hit them and decimated them during that run. And like the Hawks got kind of screwed in a lot of ways during that time period. But by and large, this team dug their own grave in the beginning of this season. That's when it was like, oh, this is this is over because you, you the East is too strong this year. The East is too good for the next couple of years that you cannot have the kind of start that they did and then just rebound and just get back and be like, oh, well, we, we cared way too much about the playoffs and we thought we could just get through this season and coast to the top of the East again. And it's like, okay, great. Um, the problem with all of this is, okay, you have... DeAndre Hunter, you you commit to him a little bit because you move on from Cam Reddish. You do an addition by subtraction thing, whatever. 
Um, still a miss on your part. That's still a miss. Like it doesn't matter. There's no way to shake that. That's a miss. Um, you got nothing for him, nothing. And he was the big part of the Trey Young Luca trade. Like it's just that's part of it. Um, DeAndre I mean, Hunter, you, who I, you got a semi real first. Like, I mean, you got that's not nothing. Like they it, will use that in a deal. Yeah, maybe. Well, we don't know. They haven't done anything yet, so we'll see. Um, but. By and large, I think he should have, and this was something I had the more cynical perspective going into the deadline where I'm like, dude, I would look to see what DeAndre Henry's value is, see what you could get for a bogey because bogey is useless right now. He's doing great stuff for us as of late, but he could have helped the contender and he could have been someone that you could have gotten even more draft capital or maybe another young piece for him. And you just saw how active everyone was on this trade deadline. If you didn't believe in this group, like you're suggesting, like he probably was like Stan Pat, just kind of like, let's get, through this season it's like man gallo should have been moved gallo does not serve a purpose and i think you could have done kind of what portland's doing in a way where you're like recalibrating around damian Lillard. you have all this space but just in a better way like you don't completely tear it down but you get rid of the pieces that are like okay this is not working we got to shake things up like let's clear the runway part of the struggle was they couldn't trade capella like that was a huge issue here because i think if you could have he's gone um, like Inyeka and Kong, we should be playing 30 minutes a night minimum for the rest of the way. Like that needs to happen because we really need to see what he is before we put him on like some sort of trade block or try to figure out if he's part of this piece and he's someone you want to commit a lot of money to over the next couple of years. Um, I don't know, man. I just, I'm pretty bummed out because I think this summer is just going to be complicated. And I mean, if you read the Howard Beck piece on like teams waiting for, uh, the next wave of disgruntled superstars and Dame, uh, be, uh, Dame, Donovan, and Zion were on that list. And that's the teams we're looking at. And maybe you get into the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes. I know we all would love for Jalen Brown. So those are playing amazing basketball right now. They're not moving. It, like it's, no. it, That's over. Um, Beal is probably the most realistic one to me. I still think they'll, they'll talk themselves into conversations around him. And I think now the Wizards have fallen apart. Like that's a possibility. And People who are like, oh, that doesn't fix the defense. I just, I think you're at a point now, if the Hawks miss the playoffs, you have to do whatever Trey wants. So if Trey is like, I need help on offense, I'm tired of having the usage rate because he's in the 100 percentile again in usage rate, folks. Like if you go to cleaning the glass, he is still in the highest of highs in usage rate. And that's good. Like you said, it's always a top five offense, but that wears on guys. And I think part of Trey, he's looking around and he's like, Nope, can't win without another dude. I'm tired of doing this after a couple of years. I want to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. I need another offensive weapon. This is an offense first league. Go get me some guard help. And let's, me and Beal, like, if they think they can stop us in a seven-game series, they could beat us four times when we're averaging 121 points per under possessions. So be it. But we're going to go for it. And I know I can trust Beal because he's another, uh, you're ready for this? He's a bucket. And that's, I don't know. I think that's ultimately what's going to happen here. I think, first of all, there's a lot to unpack there, and I think, mm-hmm. I think, I think we're headed toward a situation where um, Schlank's been waiting for the perfect star and the perfect timing, and like this guy has to be the perfect complement to Trey, or I'm just going to keep my assets. And we're quickly headed toward a position of like, you can't, you can't nitpick situations. Like if if, if there's a Brad Beal package that's there, and you you maybe don't think he's a perfect fit, you might have to do it anyway. Um, and that's that's tough because he's sticking his neck on the line. Like if that doesn't work, that's his job. Um, and so I, I get that. But it's also a situation where 
we talk about the Hawks like they have this this war chest. And, you know, I think we like a lot of these young guys. Like, we really like Kongwu. We really like Herder, um, Hunter, like, for what they are. Um, but, like, teams can beat that offer. Like, none of these guys are like, oh, you have – none of those guys are even probably Tyrese Halliburton. Um well, who netted Sabonis. That's the like, thing is we have all the picks. That's the war chest is you're giving up the I know, but if we're trying percent, to win yeah. – I think I think there's become a devaluation in the NBA right now, um, like a correction, I would say, mm-hmm. of like if this pick is going to be pick 20, like if it's top 10 protected and you're trying to win, how much value does that really have to me? And so, you know, we're probably going to give up in any any trade, any star trade. I think Collins would be in it. And I think teams are going to be like two picks, two picks in a, in a pick swap, three picks, like – because if those picks are, are between 20 and 30, like they just have very little utility. Um, well, that's in, why in you need three. NBA. It's because like teams are like, yeah, this will not be a great first round pick in the following season, but we can bet, we can gamble on three years that this doesn't still work. That trade might not even be a hawk in three years. Like that's a possibility. That's what you can do now with the, the trading multiple picks over multiple years is teams are like, yeah, this sucks right now, but mm, I don't know with the way player movement just yeah. is the thing in the NBA. Like I, there's no guarantee these guys totally. are playing together so, for three years. Yeah. And so let's say you're making a Brad Beal deal. You mm-hmm. better believe Washington's going to ask for like a 2028 pick swap. Just yep. doesn't throw it in on the end there. Cause it's like, hell, if Trey leaves, that could be a top five pick. Who knows? Yep. And, and Schlenk's not going to be in a position to quibble with that. Um, Correct. He doesn't have until 2028. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I just think like this off season is going to be interesting on a number of levels. I think one, it's going to tell us very clearly how he, um, sort of tears these guys, like who mm-hmm. he sees where. Um, and and it also is just going it, to, it's going to be, I don't know if it's desperation, um, but it's approaching like, it's approaching that level of something has to change here. And, and I think it's just such a, I, I, you were talking a lot about like the deadline. And I think they were lulled into a false sense of, I mean, they'd won, I think, eight of nine going into the deadline. And so it was a false sense of, okay, here we go again. And, and they did that last year, and they stood pat last year, and it worked. They were like, I think they were the best, had the best record in the Eastern Conference after the trade deadline last year or something. And then they went on and made the Eastern Conference Finals. And so I think there was probably a sense of, okay, this team can do that again. And it's not going to work out that way. And I think that that's sort of a, um, that's sort of a, a bit of cold water they needed. Like, the definitively no. Like, this core is not going to win you a championship it's time to figure out what the moves are. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, but it's, it's a bummer, man, uh, that we're not yeah. going to have fun Hawks playoff basketball. I know the uh, way we were talking sure. about this team coming into this year and the way we're talking about them now is just such a bummer. I just want them to go away. Like I'm, I'm ready for it. Like, I just want to clear my brain cause I just, it's such a bummer, um, which is not great. Um, let's move to the Falcons. Speaking uh, of Max. bummers. <laughs> well, speaking of bummers, but, uh, we add Ryan Pace, the recently fired uh, Chicago Bears GM, to uh, to the fold here. Um, but I wanted to hit on this because I thought this was interesting. This comes to us from the Falcoholic. Corey Woodruff, a uh, good writer for the Falcoholic, had three bold predictions for the Falcons' uh, upcoming offseason. Are you ready for them? Yeah, I mean. All right. The Falcons trade both Calvin Ridley and Grady Jarrett. Oof. The Falcons don't re-sign Foye Olukan and keep Deion Jones. And the Falcons don't add a de facto replacement 
for Jalen Mayfield. What what do you make of those three bold ones? And how would you rank them in terms of most likely to least likely? Okay, I think I think most likely mm-hmm. would be keeping both Foyer Luokan and uh, Deion Jones. I don't I don't I don't think like I think if you're in a position where you're trying to trim the fat here, I think Deion Jones is like the first place you start. I think they probably will resign a Lucan, um if the price is reasonable, which I would imagine it will be. He's um, pricey, man. He's been good. I, we'll see. We'll see how the league values him. I don't know if like tackle numbers really appeal. Like, I don't think you're going into a free agent negotiation anymore and saying, I led the league in tackles and have that be like the hallmark of your pitch. Like I remember, we all remember uh, Paul Warlow. And like yeah. the year and a half where we were like, oh, damn, is Paul Warlow really good? And it's like, oh, no, no, no. He's just tackling guys like seven yards beyond the line of scrimmage every play. Um, Leave Jesse Tuggle I, I would be surprised if De- <laughs> I would be surprised if, if Deion Jones is a Falcon next year. I really would. Yeah. Um, I think I would be – I think I'd be surprised if they traded Grady Jarrett, but not stunned. There's been a lot of – Well, it's not just Grady Jarrett. The, the expectation, you have to combine that. It's not just Grady. It's – Ridley and Grady. That is a lot of star movement in one offseason. Yeah, but I think we're sort of pricing in that a Ridley, I would say a Ridley trade is more likely than not. Would you? Mm-hmm. And if a Grady Jarrett trade is 25%, I, I think there's, a, I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I, I think there's like, there are going to be some really hard decisions. And, and I'm that trading Grady Jarrett would be a move toward we're really going to tear this down and restart. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the wrong move. Like you inherited a roster that was very top heavy, and increasingly that top was not good enough to to allow you to compete. And I don't think that's really how you win in the NFL. Like it's a really precarious spot, spot to be in, and they have to rebuild the depth. And I was reading today about um, God, I forget which draft expert said this, but it, it's, one of the draft experts said this is the most even picks fifteen and sixty and 60 will have been for years. Like hmm. the talent there, the depth is there. And then someone, I think someone else commented like this is the most even one through 60 has ever been. Um, and so I think the talent is there to take advantage. You already have an extra pick in that range. You're probably, if you trade Ridley, you will get another one. Um, and if you trade Grady Jarrett, you could probably get another one. And, and I think that's how a rebuild starts. If you have four or five picks in that spot and you hit on, you know, two thirds, three fourths of them. Like that's how you just build a roster. And I think we're in the position now where the Falcons have to just like add talented football players, wherever you find them and sort of shed these deals, these contracts that are handicapping you in a lot of ways. I don't know. And there's man, the idea that like, we're just like Grady just, I guess bothers me more because of all the draft capital we have put into the defensive line and this is one that was just overlooked because he was undersized coming out of clemson and he was still a dude who was insanely productive at clemson but they were just like i don't know if this is going to translate and the falcons took a chance on him later and obviously it translated and he's also like the one of the best people and you want him in the locker room and i don't know that one would really bum me out like ridley whatever um but Grady is like one of the awesome success stories that we actually have like he's not aaron donald but he is someone that like I don't know. He is still just the leader of this defensive line. And I just, 
I want him to be a part of this when they figure out the rest of the defensive line. Like I want him to, I want to see what Grady Jarrett is able to do with other elite pass rushers. Like imagine Grady Jarrett with Vaughn Miller and um, insert player name here on the other side. Like somebody like that, like that would be really cool because the Dante Fowlers of the world, the Tack McKinley's have ruined a lot of this, but I mean, I don't know what his trade value is. We'll see. Like, we don't see a lot of defensive tackles move for high draft capital, so we'll see what other teams do for him. But, like, I don't know. I, I just, unless it's a really great offer, man, I would still just, he's one of the two on the defense. It's like him and A.J. Terrell are the two that I'm just like, I I would really be bummed out if they're not around here during this rebuild. And I think you need some talent to help this. Because if you get rid of Jarrett, there's nothing. Like the Davidsons, tell like Nothing. you look up and down the list. Starting from scratch, and it's like, I, I don't know, man. That's a dangerous place to be in the modern NFL. Is starting from scratch on your front seven, like that is. Uh, I agree, but um, I mean, we've watched a defense that has been so deficient of talent for, I don't even really like two decades, but you know, <laughs> more I mean more than that, but. Really, the last few years, I mean, just like one of the least talented, if not the least talented defenses in the NFL. And the only way to fix that is to just add as many guys as possible. And the only way to add as many guys as possible, like NFL players, like NFL caliber players, and hope a couple of them hit is to just take shots in the draft, just build up in the draft. And like paying Grady Jarrett the, his market value, his deserved market value at age, into age, you know, early 30s. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's how you want to start a rebuild. Like, I don't know. I I, I would be bummed too. Like on a personal level, uh, mm-hmm. if if Grady Jarrett's not a Falcon, like he is one of. You said it. He, it's him. It's AJ Terrell. I'll be bummed if they ever trade Matt Ryan. Um, and you know, obviously Kyle Pitts. And like that's that's it. Um, I don't know. I just think like there's going to be some really hard decisions to make. And, and these guys are not wedded anymore to past decisions. Right. And so they're, they didn't draft Grady Jarrett and they're not like, we have to emphasize this hit in the draft however many years ago. Um, or like, we have to pay this guy out of loyalty. I don't know. Like we have to pay him extra because he's sort of been here and been a leader throughout and had three sacks in the super, you know, like I don't, there isn't that sense of, of loyalty that, that fans may have. Um, and I think these tough decisions are going to come from a place of like, sort of like cold business evaluation. And I think that's probably what the team needs, right? Like that's, that is what this rebuild needs, but it's going to be painful because it has to be painful. I, uh, I would love to be a fly on the wall when, uh, font not, uh, sits Matt down he's like, Hey Matt, um, here's the deal. We're making some big changes on defense, but Jalen Mayfield, I understand he, like you, you're still pretty bruised from the Jalen Mayfield experience in 2021. I understand that like your body is still going to, it's, it's only February and it's going to take a little bit more time before your body feels good. And you've really recovered from the Jalen Mayfield experience of left guard. But we think we saw some stuff there and uh, <laughs> we think we're going to run, <laughs> we're going to run that. Watching, next year. watching Matt's face just drop and be like, whatever you think's best. <laughs> Just God. No, I think I think of of the three, having said all that, I think of the three predictions, that one would surprise me the least. I don't I don't think they're gonna granted, like, you know, I would be more than I'd be totally fine if they just admitted the L and the Jalen Mayfield experience and moved along. I don't think that's the number one priority here. 
I don't think it's number two priority. I don't think it's a top five priority. And I think there's going to be some willingness to say, okay, this guy took his lumps. He's got some really bad tape to go through. <laughs> and let's give him an offseason and give him a chance to figure it out. Bring in some competition, but figure it out. And, and I, I, I kind of think that's what they're going to do. And then we're going to realize like week four, like, oh, shit, we really like we really messed that up. Like <laughs> we should have probably done something there. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm pretty. One last point on the Falcons. Mm-hmm. And then we can move on. I think it's funny as I'm like thinking about, oh, you know, like I'm like reading about draft guys and like, you mm-hmm. know, who, who they could take at eight, who they could take in the second round, guys like that. And all these guys that are like. Oh, he's, he's got a world of upside, but like he's going to need a few years to figure it out. And like he's going to need some coaching. My my core, like physical instinct is always like, oh, he can't be a Falcon. Like that's <laughs> it won't happen here. Like David Ojabo, I'm the, the biggest Michigan fan. Mm-hmm. If David Ojabo comes to Atlanta, I'll feel bad for David Ojabo because it'll be like he, he's, he's not ready to be like a number one edge rusher in the NFL yet. And the Falcons are going to expect him to come in at 10 sacks next year. And it's not going to happen. And he's going to get washed against the run. And it's going to be like, oh, God, like. Vic Beasley 2.0. That's my last yeah, Falcons point. Yeah, let's just do like only SEC guys this draft and see what happens. Let's just do just, all the, the like every do what the Washington football team did. You know what they did to fix their defensive line? Uh, how about uh, every Mississippi State and Alabama player that's been good? Like, let's do that. Jonathan let's get Allen. refined football players, guys who mm-hmm. know what the fuck they're doing and are ready to come in. Sorry, didn't mean. Yeah, that. no, I mean that. That's basically what you have to do. Like, I, I it's a. <laughs> there, I love where it's like it's all this technical knowledge about drafting and everything else, and it's like, hey, let's just go get. Uh, let's go get the Kobe Dean. He's super <laughs> fast, really good. Like that guy can tackle. Right, like that. That would be me in the draft room. Um, well, let's hit on the Braves real quick too. Um, there's growing belief uh, if there is a season, uh, Max Markovich, because this week we learned that the Braves made a lot of money. Liberty Media disclosed that they made a lot of money this week uh, for the fourth quarter or yeah, fourth quarter and their financial gains from the Braves postseason run, everything at the battery um, being back to hundred percent capacity. Um, still Buster only said the sentiment around the league is the fact that the Braves did not get this done before the lockout that a lot of teams like the, the odds of him returning are slimmer because now it's there. The Braves are now having to compete. Like the difference before this was that like the Braves did not have to compete with anyone but themselves. It was just a back and forth with Freddie. Now it's like, no, we have to deal with the LA teams, New York getting involved. If they can't go get Matt Olson or something like now it's a competition. And when you're in a small medium market, they lose these competitions traditionally. And this is like, I, I love that the Liberty Media stuff came out this week because I'm sure they did not like that. I'm sure that this is something that they're not going to enjoy. And they, you saw in the report from ESPN on Buster Only where he was like, the Braves will act. It's almost like a foregone conclusion. The way this is yep. worded is like the Braves 100%. are prepared to act and get over this real quick and trade for Olsen or whoever. And I'm like, they're out of their minds if they think that's how that's going to go. Is that 100%. the fans are... That is just full on like we live in Colorado and we do not have any pulse for what's going on in Atlanta. Because if you think you can just move on and say, sorry, got we had to dump out and we just trade for, for Matt Olson, uh, a local party kid. He went to my high school. But if you think you're going to do that and it's going to go over well, especially, especially after saving money on Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies, like that was the whole thing is they were like, because we save money here. 
we can spend on guys like Freddie Freeman who've been here from the long haul and the bets so that they can get paid now. And then when those contracts are up, we'll take care of Albies and Acuna later. But you use that those savings for Freddie Freeman. This was the person you had in mind for this. And if you don't do that, I mean, they already were on thin ice and like the, it's great that we won the title and all that. But like, that is just insane to me. When I saw that, I was like, this is, this is a foregone conclusion. Like that's where I'm at right now. It seems like that's where you're at too. That was the, that was the thing that I, I picked up on right away too, Mm -hmm. was the way it was written. It was unmistakable. It was the Braves are ready to move on quickly and move past the conversation. It's like, buddy, that is not how any of this is going to (laughs) work. Like, and all of this over, you know, I, I understand the hesitancy to give, like on paper, I understand the hesitancy to give big money uh, to a 32-year-old first baseman for six years, which is what he wants. Um, but you got to have context. Like, there's got to be context here. And, and I think that's where the, the money coming out this week about Liberty Media, like, that is perfect. Because it is just this – I don't know if, the, if you've ever had a, a world champion uh, – Burn goodwill as quickly as will happen is if the Braves let Freddie Freeman walk over one year, um, and, and I, that really seems like the the inevitable outcome here. And and I think if that's the case, like they drastically drastically underestimated the public sentiment here and how much like Freddie Freeman is going to walk in a Hall of Famer as a Brave, and you're just going to let that guy walk out the door. Um, because of an extra year having saved all this money in all these different ways. Like I, I don't even, if they think that's going to fly, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's uh, I'm going to be interested to see who carries their water because you're going to see that in Atlanta. And I want you to keep <laughs> like me media wise. Yeah. Because there's going to be people who do it where they're like, well, Hey, look the sixth year, he's going to be bad. It could be a pull hole situation. Matt Olson's going to be more than fine. We just won a world series without Acuna. We can do it. Oh, why can't we do it again without Freeman? We get Acuna back, take out Freeman, and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not how this works. We're not doing this. We're not make, like, I, I like it gives me anxiety just listening to these arguments start. It's to 100% going to happen. And, mm-hmm. and that argument is, is, is made 10 times worse to me by the, the DH. Like, mm-hmm. I, I get it. Like, I, I, I get the, like, the, there is sort of a backlash in baseball now outside of like two markets to like, mm-hmm giving huge money, especially in your thirties for, for long-term like, and, and it makes some sense. Like there is evidence that it's a bad idea. Um, but like if the, if the universal DH is coming to the NL, uh, like Freddie Freeman's bat is going to play for a while and like take out all the sentimental stuff, take out all the, like, you know, what he's done for the city and, you know, came up, you know, homegrown talent, all of that, like take all that out. He's still going to be a productive hitter for, several years to come and to imagine like if quibble. we had this with chipper like if we had this kind of stuff with chippers later years we're like oh i don't know man him on third base he's a great he's been great for so long but uh he's getting bigger and i don't know if he's a I good just, <laughs> just imagine next year the nlcs and game seven freddie freeman walks into atlanta as a dodger and hits you know hits a go-ahead home run like how is that going to play I don't know. It's just, it can't, it can't happen. It seems like it's going to, and it's going to be a, a shitstorm. 
Yeah, I think it's over. I think the 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 if you read the tea leaves, like it was almost like one of those things where you you know he has inside information with the agents, and yep. that you can't just write it yet. Like you can't just say he's gone, like it's explicitly. Yeah. But like I feel like there is something in the community behind the scenes that are like mm, this is done. Like the fact that he's gotten intel that something quick was going to happen mm-hmm. with the on the Braves end is a mm-hmm. is a strong indicator of of where this is going. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, well, Max, that's all I've got in the Braves. And that, uh, Atlanta United comes back this weekend. So I'm going to watch that on Sunday because the whole family, like the Atlanta United is like the one sport, like in Atlanta, where my entire family is on board. My dad played college soccer. My mom loves soccer. Uh, my brother's all in on it. So it's actually the one thing that we as a, like a Thomas family, like we'll text about like no other sport. They don't all watch the Hawks. They don't all watch the Braves. They don't all watch the Falcons. They definitely don't all watch Tennessee, but that that's it. So I'm excited about that to have that back in my life. And the green mint, the mint green uniforms, top notch. Like Fresh. I was worried about that. They're great. Like they they nailed that. So I'm a. I don't know. I'm excited to have Atlanta United back. Are you are you planning on going to a lot of games? Are you excited? What what's the feeling like? And uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. I think um I think Atlanta United is the kind of thing that I. It, it's the most in person like experience of all of the of all sports mm-hmm. really like. It's such a cultural, like Atlanta, like uniquely Atlanta experience that like I'm way more of a like I would love to go to as many games as possible than I am like I need to catch it every time they're on. And so yeah. it's like I haven't I haven't done a ton of like what's this year going to be like? Like I know they, <laughs> they brought in some new guys like I, I will learn all of that sort of in time. Um, but to me, it's like it's just like the single example of like this in-person experience is so much more important to me than, you know, TV. Uh, yeah. I tell people, and like, if you go to Atlanta and they're like, Oh, what should I see? I'm like, Atlanta United is first thing. like, like yep. that. If you have to pick one, like Atlanta United is what and they're like soccer. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. It's no question. Like I have no hesitation on that one. Like it's nope. Atlanta United or don't bother. Like that should be your first Atlanta sports experience. Um, and if you only get one, that's it. Like that's what I would wait on. Um, but also I think too, if Atlanta United does not start at Bobby Dodd and did not start the way it did, I don't think this all exists. That's something I was thinking about. And I'll tell people, I'm like, it was like this weird indie indie band the way it came out where like people were like they're playing where and then it was like this small group of fans like diehard fans that were packing out bobby dodd for this and you're like this is kind of wild like seeing mls in a college stadium and then it progressed like i think because it started small and because it had this small group of people that were so passionate and then other people saw like how passionate they were about this small atmosphere just being ridiculous yeah. That it just expanded organically. But if they had started at the bins, I don't think it would have been as uh, electric as what it's become. I agree. And and I also think it's maybe a little underrated that like how important it was they were good right away. Mm-hmm. Like I, I completely, you know, I think a lot of like the MLS has sort of been like seeking out like why did this work? Why, you know, like what happened here since they started it? And I think Atlanta did a lot right. You know, a lot, a lot was done right, but maybe the thing that was done most right is they were really good right away and had like Mm -hmm. stars, like dudes you wanted to go see play. And so I I completely agree about, about um, Bobby Dodd and like those, I went to a few games of Bobby Dodd and it was like such a unique sports experience. Mm -hmm. It was so unlike any other game I'd attended. And I like, you know, it's one of those things where the first time you go, you're like, I need to go back. 
And so it was every opportunity it could. And that was sort of a cascading effect. And I agree with you. It was like the Benz is, the Benz is crazy nice. And like, you know, the first game of the Benz was awesome. And like going to, going to see games at the Benz is, is incredible, but it's, it's, it's just different. Like it's mm-hmm. not, I don't know. It's not like the same sort of like communal, I think, um, just like what is going on here experience that, that everyone had at Bobby Dodd. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, that's all I've got for the Atlanta sports guys. Garrett, we miss you. Hope you enjoy listening to uh, Max and I talk while you're traveling and everything that you get to, you, you get to hear your name shouted out at, while not being on the podcast. That's always cool. We don't even know where you are. You're somewhere around the United States at the moment. Hope uh, everything's going well. Uh, but Max and I held it down, I think pretty well. And uh, we can find Max on Twitter, Max underscore Markovich. Uh, follow myself at Chase underscore Thomas. But uh, yeah, Land Sports Guys every week at this time on this feed. And uh, you can watch us on YouTube. So go do that. Uh, Chase Thomas Podcast, YouTube. Both of us on there. There you go. Max Markovich, <laughs> have yourself a great weekend. Love you is too. blind season two. Let's oh, go. That's I- top the agenda. Dude, I, I don't care. I have no shame. That show is fantastic, and I wish they no, did it. No, no, I'll give a shame. No, all the time. It's so great. Love is Blind, season two. Netflix, do it, folks. See you, Max. See it. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Atlanta Sports Guys. Thank you again to Max for coming on today's show. Mr. Garrett, this week, uh, make sure you follow Max on Twitter at Max underscore Markovich. Uh, follow myself at Chase Double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. And hey... Uh, We're on YouTube, so if you would uh, rather watch this on YouTube and uh, watch us break it down, all things Atlanta, uh, Chase Thomas Podcast on YouTube, uh, hit that subscribe button, like it, share it out, all that good stuff. Um, If you like listening to Max and I talk Atlanta sports today, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. Uh, Go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com today for access to all of my previous episodes and all the information you need about this very program, uh, go subscribe to the daily newsletter, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Sportsrenaissanceman, that's me. And then, of course, email us with any Atlanta sports questions you might have for us for a future mailbag episode at uh, chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. All right, new episode coming tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.